I'm Randall Watson with Watson Farms in Sherman, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Gary Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas' largest farm and ranch organization met over the weekend to set their policy direction for the coming year. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Congress has a big task ahead in trying to write the next farm bill. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, you'll hear from one person who is very involved in helping lawmakers in the farm bill effort. Dr. Joe Outlaw of Texas A&M. Properly managing forage is key to pasture recovery from the Texas drought. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more comments from a representative from Corteva AgriScience on this subject on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall reporting for East Texas about the beauty of the foliage that we have, about the supplemental feeding that our cattlemen have started about a successful deer hunt. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The state's largest general farm and ranch organization met over the weekend in Waco for the annual Texas Farm Bureau Convention. Farmers and ranchers at the meeting established policy to help guide the organization, including policies regarding renewable energy, tax abatements, and foreign ownership of agricultural land. Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining. Oh yes, sir, Kerry. We've had we had a great turnout. Uh, you know, starting already Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Uh, of course, you know, yesterday, Saturday, we went through a lot of our awards presentations for membership growth and those type of things. And and today, with our wife and our uh, awards and and all of, recognizing all of them, and then of course our business session that we finished up right before lunch. So I think it was a great convention overall. I heard a lot of positive comments. Delegates to the convention approved several resolutions related to renewable energy, including support for the state regulating solar and solar battery storage facilities. Delegates also supported policy that opposes any foreign entity or persons receiving tax credits, abatements, incentives, or any other in-kind contribution that affects the taking of agricultural land. The lamb industry is bouncing back strong after the big hit of COVID-19 shutdowns. Sally Shawley is a sheep producer who sits on the American Lamb Board. She says they've been working hard to pivot their efforts when it comes to lamb on restaurant menus. We know that about 50% of our lamb goes to food service. And a good majority of the food service is for fine dining. So when fine dining kind of collapsed during COVID, 
we had to switch gears. And that means targeting more casual dining outlets. We worked with Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe and helped them develop a 100% double lamb patty burger, which sold extremely well. They have 90 locations, 90 restaurants in 16 different states. It was so popular that a lot of people continued to ask for it, and they honored it after the promotion was finished. The American Lamb Board is also working on projects to demonstrate the sustainability of the U.S. sheep industry. Controversial cattle market reform bills may be done for this year as the lame duck Congress meets over the next couple of weeks. The Senate author of the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act, Chuck Grassley, says the last-minute chances for his bill are not that good. I think it'd be tough. That's about all I can say. Grassley says he'll try again in the next Congress. Congress has a big task ahead in writing the next farm bill. James Hunt checks in with one Texan who's having a big say in the direction of new farm policy. As Congress works toward writing a new farm bill, as always, one person lawmakers are consulting with a lot is Texas A&M ag economist Joe Outlaw. I had the chance to talk with Dr. Outlaw at the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show last week, and one aspect of assembling the next farm bill that we discussed is agriculture's ambition to raise reference prices. Are you looking at trying to bring reference prices up to where they're consistent with what we're seeing in the markets today? Is it trying to get them above what would be considered a standard break even or something other than that? Well, most people start off with the concept of why can't we move them up closer to where prices are now? That way it shouldn't cost much because they should never trigger, so you should be able to move them without much cost. Unfortunately, when they do the budgeting, though, they do it for 10 years. And in any 10-year period, the prices come down. When they come down, if you've moved them up very much at all, it costs a lot of money. So right now, honestly, we're looking at a 10% increase is what people are asking for across the board. So that would be instead of $5.50 for wheat, it would be $6.05 or something like that. Uh, instead of corn at three seventy, it'd be just a little over four dollars for corn. And if the reference prices are raised by that amount, how much will federal spending have to increase? Over ten years, our estimate is be about eight billion dollars over ten years, or eight hundred million dollars per year. Certainly, a lot of money to your eye, but in the world of Washington budgeting, that's not that much money. It's just a matter of will they have an influx of money that would make that possible, or will they have to try to? take it from somewhere else. More from Dr. Joe Outlaw of Texas A&M tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Properly managing forages is one key to helping Texas pastures recover from the drought. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest again today is Jeff Clark, market development specialist with Corteva AgriScience. He explains how cattle ranchers should react to the recent Texas rains when it comes to grazing their cattle. When we get that moisture, which Texas has gotten moisture, and we have seen some green up in our pastures and our hay fields, don't immediately rush out there and start grazing hard and heavy on it again because those grasses are still under stress. So manage your grazing, rotate your grazing, leave some good leaf space on there because that right there will allow our grasses to grow back faster and still continue to develop that root system that we need. 
and then start preparing for 2023. We're going to have weeds that are popping up, even right now, but we're going to have weeds start coming up pretty quickly in that January, February time period. So go ahead and start working on your weed control management. Are you going to spray this year? Are, are you going to use a residual this year? Work with your range and pasture specialist. Figure out the best program approach for you, but we've got to get those weeds out of there because if not, you're going to go right back into a stressful situation simply because weeds are nutrient thieves. Now, Jeff, certainly uh, 2022 has seen a lot of extremely high input costs for uh, ranchers, for farmers everywhere, and uh, high grain prices and historically low hay inventories and extremely high costs for hay are other challenges that they're facing. Oh, absolutely. And this is where having your forages properly managed is going to be key. It is the cheapest way to feed cattle. You might have to get rid of some older cattle to make room for your younger cattle so that you've got grasses uh, enough to supply the cattle that you're wanting to retain. Those comments from Jeff Clark at Corteva AgriScience. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The beauty and fun of fall is on full display right now in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In East Texas, this fall foliage has just turned a golden hue. Many, many areas right after the cold snap that we had after the storms had passed through in early November, then we had our first good hard frost and that foliage just turned it up a notch. And the beauty that will surround us is just absolutely gorgeous. We don't have to travel outside the area to see the beauty of the nature that we all love. It's just really been good. Now, we had a drought in the summertime. You all know that. You also know the problem we had with hay production, low quality hay. Many producers are transporting in a higher quality hay, and I think they kind of rotate in one bale of good hay in about three that may not be as high quality as you would like, plus supplemental feeding, range cubes, and the like. Going to have to do it this year to maintain these cow-calf operations, so our expenses are going to be a little bit uh, higher. We need a little bit better higher prices on those calves that are coming in, but the eternal optimism of cattlemen tell us that that's going to take place come springtime when folks are really looking for them. Our hunting season was a quite a success throughout the area, and we're not through yet, but just thought I'd throw that in there. We're happy with the results that we're seeing. Now, we're turning our attention to other things, though, like the cattle care and the feeding, and then it's springtime planning, planning for springtime. We've got to get ready for it because fruits and vegetables are going to really be priced right for growers this year. So just kind of keep that in mind as you make your plans. If you're planting a garden, you might want to plant an extra row or two of tomatoes to take them to your local farmer's market because there is going to be a place for them here in East Texas. The orchards are getting ready to start their cutbacks in the fall time of the year. We had a good peach crop this last year. And if we can just miss the storms of spring and get the harvest in before the storms of fall hit like they did this year, we'll have another good one in 2023. And people are already making plans for that right now and laying the groundwork for good crops. So just kind of have yourself a, a good winter season and look forward to the spring with fresh vegetables all around. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. This year marks a milestone for research into the invasive Eurasian collar dove. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And do you have enough hay for this winter? 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Do you have enough hay put up for winter? Dr. Bob Judd looks at how to determine how much you need. To determine the amount of hay needed, the quality of the forage is important, as cows will consume a larger quantity of high-quality forage. High-quality forages are fermented more rapidly in the rumen, leaving a void allowing the animal to eat more feed. Low-quality forages are consumed at about 1.5% per day, while high-quality forages are consumed at 2% body weight per day. This is a reason to feed high-quality forage, as not only does lower-quality forage stay in the rumen longer, keeping the cow from eating more, low-quality forage also has less protein, energy, and other necessary ingredients. For example, if we look at a 1,200-pound cow eating good-quality grass hay with protein at 8%, this cow would eat 24 pounds of hay per day, which is 2% of the body weight. This is based on 100% dry matter, and grass hay is usually about 10% moisture. So we need to add two more pounds to make up for the moisture. So now the cow would be eating 26 pounds per day. When determining the amount of hay you need, you also need to consider that about 15% of hay will be wasted. So that increases the amount of hay needed per cow to about 30 pounds per day. After she has a calf, she will eat more, so about 36 pounds per day should be set aside for nursing cows. This gives you an estimated amount of hay per day that you will need. However, to determine the quality of the hay you have available requires testing, and this is required to determine the amount of specific hay you will need. Also, make sure and weigh the round bales, as different bales can contain vastly different amounts of hay, as all round bales are not the same. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This year marks a milestone for research into the invasive Eurasian collared dove. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. This year marks a milestone for the Texas Dove Hunters Association's research into invasive Eurasian collared doves. Each year, the association captures hundreds of the invasive birds, puts an orange band with a number on it on their leg, and then releases them back into the wild. As hunters report the tag numbers they find and the location that they harvested it, the association gathers additional information on the doves. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the Dove Hunters Association, joins us with more on why this year, the fifth for the research project called the Banded Bird Challenge, is so important. We're super excited because as soon as this one ends, we turn all the data for the last five years over to a biologist who claims that with five years, they can have enough data to try to come up with more of a standardized result as far as what is actually occurring in the field. Again, this is not a science study. This is a field study. This tells us what the birds are doing in the field. It may vary from state to state, but this is what we're seeing in Texas. That's what the results will tell us. 
that is what we're really excited about. Distances they travel, percentage of the birds that are released, and what direction are they headed. We're finding that right now over 70% of the birds that are released anywhere in the state, and I do mean even in McAllen, anywhere in the state, those birds are headed back north. Why that is, we can only estimate or guesstimate at this point, but we feel like they're doing more of a homing pattern as opposed to a migratory pattern. The banded bird challenge does not end with this year. Thornton says the association will continue to gather more information from hunters as they call it in in an effort to learn more about this species. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was not a pretty day in the cattle trade Tuesday as we close sharply lower on both live and feeder cattle. We'll take a look back at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A big drop in the cattle complex on Tuesday, both live and feeder cattle, seeing a triple-digit drop across the board. Lower boxed beef prices seem to be taking the blame for the drop. Boxed beef this week hitting the lowest level for the entire year of 2022. That caused a sell-off in the live cattle trade. December live cattle down $1.67 at $151.55. February down $220, $153.62. April live cattle down $1.95 at $157.62. Same thing on the feeder cattle. January feeders down $1.97, $181.80. March feeder cattle down 222, 184.15, with April down 220 at 187.32. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. Feedlots here in the south asking 157. No asking prices reported up north yet. Boxed beef prices lower again on Tuesday. Choice down 96 cents at 242.35. Select down 68 at 220.43. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan had a special female replacement sale Saturday in San Saba. Ken, how did it go? You bet, Larry. We ended up having uh, right at 2,800 head. We had buyers from Mexico, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mississippi, pretty well all across Texas. And I believe it was right at 814 on the internet. Better pairs, and they were in really good flesh and young. They sold mainly from 1800 up to $2,850. Some of the younger pairs, maybe carrying a little less flesh and solid mouth pairs, they depend on what size calves they had or whatever. They range from 1200 up to 1775 Our bread cow market was also very strong. With the younger cows, the fleshier cows, uh, they were they were mostly all medium to long bred. They went from fifteen hundred up to twenty one hundred fifty dollars. So we had a really choice set of second bred Angus cows, ten in a group. They brought twenty seven hundred. Some of the young cows carrying a little less flesh, 
and some of the solid cows, they went depending on how far they bred and what the place was like uh, from 1,000 up to 1475. Overall, the bred heifer market was very active with most all the heifers being pretty well medium to long bred. They brought anywhere from 1,200 up to 2,500 depending on how long bred they were and the kind they were. We had a very nice offering of open heifers out of the overall too that were on hand. The bigger place year heifers, they pretty well ranged from 1,200 up to 1,475 except for we had a really good set of fancy eight open Bremer heifers off a ranch out of Snore uh, that sold for $1,950. Some of the lighter weight open heifers, they brought pretty well from 800 to 1175 kind of pond, uh, depending upon kind and size. Like, overall, very, very strong sell, I thought. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken. You bet. Then give us a call. Area code 325-372-5159. We do have a stalker's feeder sale on Thursday. I've got a listing of quite a few of the early offerings we're going to have. That'll be up on our website, Larry, at jordancattle.com. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. You bet, Larry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade. Now we're lean hogs finished mixed in Tuesday's trade. Nearby December hogs up 20 cents, 82.27. February down 360 at 86.92. Class 3 milk closed slightly higher. December milk up 7 cents, 20, 48, 100 weight. January milk up 3 at 20.02, 100. The cotton market managed to close higher in Tuesday's trade, but there were a lot of negative factors keeping a lid on price gains. The outside markets all negative in Tuesday's market. The Dow Jones, the energies, and the metals all trading sharply lower on fears of rising inflation. Also, the U.S. dollar traded higher, so that limited any gains we had. March cotton up 73 points, 84.59. May cotton up 95 at 84.18, while new crop December cotton was up 88 points at 80.50 cents. Corn and wheat both close lower as traders position themselves ahead of Wednesday morning's USDA World Agricultural Supply and Demand report. December corn dropped three and a quarter, six twenty-five and a half. March corn down three and a quarter, six thirty-seven and a quarter. September new crop corn down two at six oh four a bushel. Lower wheat trade with December Kansas City wheat down nine cents, eight forty-five and three quarters. New crop July down eleven and three quarters. At 822 a bushel. December Chicago wheat down 10 cents, 705 and a half. New crop July down 11 and a half at 745 and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas down 18 cents, 539. January crude oil down 265 at 7428 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 351 points, 33,596. The Nasdaq down 225 at 11,014. The S&P down 57, 3,941. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.